they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle, you're back. Thanks be to God. Are you there, Mary? Can we see if I can hear your voice? Am I on? You're on now. I can hear you. Thank you, Mr. Engineer. Mary Danielle, just before we begin, I was thinking it was kind of funny. I wasn't with you all these weeks, but the folks at on Bible with the Barbers have missed you. You're back in the saddle. You you uh, you got a bad cold. You didn't have COVID, but for you know you were sick. So thanks be to God, Mary. I know you're going to be talking about the Psalms, but I wanted to throw a curveball at you because I'm your husband. I throw curves at you all the time. And Mary Danielle thinks fastball and adjusts, so she does quite well. <laughs> Mary, there's a quote from St. John Chrysostom, who was like a 4th century saint. And he, you know, he has this world biblical view of life. The saints have that. But he had some really powerful statement uh, that I think applies to us today with this world biblical view of trust in God. He says this, and then I want to, I, I, I didn't even bring this up to her before the show, so I'm really hitting her, <laughs> but that's typical of me. Do not fear conflict and do not flee from it. Where there is no struggle, there is no virtue. Where faith and love are not tempted, it is not possible to be sure they are really present. They are proved and revealed in adversity. Well, Mary Danielle, a lot of us are saying, I, I, adversity, look at the world right now. Look what we're being pressured on with the covid and with scandals in the church, it seems like I'm struggling more than I've ever. But we're, the wisdom of St. John Chrysostom is saying that this is where we persevere. We have to trust God more, is he not? That's correct. He's, it, we're being called to trust in God. Yeah. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' Father, mm-hmm. if it is possible, let this chalice pass me by. Mm-hmm. But not my will, but thine be done. He's looking at what's coming. Oh, I see. He knows. And, and, and this is not, remember, Jesus knew who he was. He knew what his mission was. There was no doubt. He had, he had knowledge, human knowledge, beyond any of our capacity. Right. As a matter of fact, because his human intellect was united to the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Mm-hmm. He understood what his mission was. So he understood intimately that his mission meant suffering. Mm-hmm. But the suffering, what happened was Adam and Eve had rejected God for the sake of wanting to be able to decide for themselves what was good and evil. Yep. And when they did that, they brought suffering into the world. And God could have said conceivably okay, fine. You will live a natural life. You'll have a natural end, end of story. You will never know me in my intimate interpersonal life. But that's not what God did. And so he promised to send his son. He promised to send a savior. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He said Mm -hmm. to the serpent, to the devil, between her seed and your seed. Yep. She will, it will crush your head and you will strike at its heel. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, if a serpent is striking at your heel, he's probably going to be biting you. That's going to hurt. Yeah. So all through the Old Testament, we see 
the prophecies of the Messiah saying that he's going to suffer. Suffer. Why? So that we don't have to suffer? No. To redeem the meaning of human suffering. Suffering came into this world as a, a result of sin. God did not make sin. He did not make suffering. He made a perfect paradise right. where there was no sin, no suffering, no illness. But man wanted to decide for himself what was good and evil, so he rejected God and his grace. And when he did that, God promised that he would send his a Savior, and that Savior is his Son. Right. And so the Son comes, and he takes to himself a real human nature. Yes, he was really human. He had a human body and a human soul, an intellect and a will, and all the faculties of the body. He was not a human person. This is very important. Good distinction. Jesus Christ is the second person of the blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the Word of God, the uncreated Word of God made flesh. But he really takes to himself a human nature. And in that human nature, he redeems the meaning of all human suffering. And he taught St. Paul this, and that's why St. Paul will write, In my own flesh, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. So even though I'm suffering and all through the letters of Paul, he talks about his sufferings and he talks about his deprivation and he talks about what he's going through for the sake of the church. He's suffering, but he knows that it's meaningless unless it's united to Jesus Christ and to his suffering. Right. I'm not Jesus incarnate. No, mm-hmm. there's only one Jesus, right. okay? But we are all called to be a living image of Jesus. And when we unite our sufferings to his, then we too redeem, the, the meaning of human suffering is redeemed in us and we become light to the world, to a suffering world. That the sufferings can be offered up. A beautiful story, true story, a young woman was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Okay. And she did not want to die. She was young. She was in her early 20s. And she was like, no, I don't want to die. And a priest came to see her in the hospital. And she said, Father, I don't want to die. Don't talk to me about death. I don't want to die. And he said, well, um, actually, I'm here because another priest sent me. Another priest came. He said, he asked me to go talk to you and tell you that he needs prayers as a priest. And he'd like to know if you would offer your suffering wow. to him. Mm-hmm. That, that's your brother. Your brother sent me. And she's like, oh my gosh, what? So he explains to her redemptive suffering. Wow. And that if she offers her sufferings for her brother, it can have merit and can help him in his priesthood. And she she didn't say, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. She said, Father, I'll try. I will try that. Well, not long after that, they sent her home. They couldn't arrest the tuberculosis for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And um, they sent her home basically with a death sentence. But you know, from that point on, she lived with great joy. And even though she was dying, she was offering all her sufferings and she didn't tell her brother. And she told father, she said, don't tell my brother that I agreed. (laughs) But finally, when she came close to death, she told her brother, I'm offering my sufferings for you. Wow. And even though she didn't want to die, she came to the point where she realized that all her suffering had meaning And whether she lived or died, like Paul said, I don't know which to prefer. To live means productive toil for you. To die means that I get to be away from the body and with the Lord. I don't know which to prefer. So I asked the Lord, what does he want? Mm -hmm. 
And so that has to be our attitude. And that's what St. John Chrysostom is getting at, that everything can be offered. And we're not here in this world to live a comfortable, pleasure-filled life. The pleasure culture has lied to us. And as a people in the church, Mm -hmm. we have bought into the lie that I deserve a break today or I can have it my way. Mm. No, we need to have it Christ's way. And we need to carry on that arduous struggle of living moment by moment in the presence of God, no matter what comes our way and living joyfully. I heard the end of your show with Steve there, and he really is. He and his wife are joyful, joyful Christians. Our pastor, Father Glenn here, he's such a joyful priest. The world is dying to see joyful Christians, Christians who really believe in their faith and know that our suffering has meaning and we're not going to run away from it. Right. There's always going to be, you know, what would an athlete turn out to be if the coach said, look, just sit on the bench and think about being a great runner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many races is he going to win? You know, what if the coach just taught his had the the greatest coach in the world and he taught all his football team, all the fundamentals of football, but he said, just sit on the bench and think about it. What's going to happen? You know, a baseball coach. No, they make you get out there and work until you hurt, don't they? That's right. If they really want you to be able to win, if they really want you to do well. Yeah. And actually, there's a lot of joy in that, too. When you play a sport well, there's great joy in it, even if you don't win. If you don't focus on, I have to win. If you can focus on, I'm going to play my best. Mm -hmm. If you play your absolute best, there is so much reward in that. And we're not playing a game. We're living a life. A life in union with Christ. So we want to follow those words of St. John Chrysostom and realize we have to challenge ourselves, And it's an arduous task. But by the grace of God, we can overcome sin. We can overcome addiction. By the grace of God, we can overcome our weakness. And if we don't, it's okay because we can offer all of that to Christ and say, you know what, Lord? Will you glorify yourself in my weakness? But I renounce sin. I'm not going to be mastered by sin. And I don't give in to sin. I'm going to let go of that resentment. I'm going to let go of that bitterness. Okay, so I got corrected by someone because I did something wrong. You know what, Lord? I deserve that correction. And I'm going to offer that for love of you, Jesus, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Beautiful. No, that's beautiful. Mary, let me, before the end of the break, I want to give another plug. Uh, Our spiritual warfare conference is coming up a week from today. Wow. Uh, We start that weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend. And it's been sold out for eight weeks. Wow. But people can still listen online and not miss any of the recordings of the talks, and they can have it for life. In other words, you can share it with your friends. The way to do it is go to vmpr.org and sign up for the streaming services of the event. You'll get it the following Monday, and then that becomes your possession. And uh, this is another way to get the message out worldwide. Father Chad Ripperker and his team are coming. Jess Romero will be there. I'll be there. Uh, it's at the Pomona Sacred uh, St. Joseph Church in Pomona. But like I say, it's sold out. So the best thing you can do is go to vmpr.org and sign up for the viewing online. We come back more with biblical worldview with the Bible with the barbers. I love it. Stay with us, family. We'll take a quick break. I always say it on the Terry and Jesse show. I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. Hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. Stay with us. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back. It's good to be back with all of you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad you're hanging in there with me. That's it. (laughs) And it's nice to be back. And I want to thank all the radio stations, the little ones that pick us up. And um, thank you again. I I don't know if if Stations of the Cross is still picking up the signal for Babel with the Barbers. Yep, they do. Okay, so so, hello, everybody. We're back again. So I want to look at Psalm 91. You know, the the time that I was out and, and I was sick, I had a I had a cold that just it wasn't horrible horrible it just was hanging in there. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's just like, you're just not well. But anyway, I got to read the Psalms every day, quite a few of them, and and I was reading more of the scriptures and I just really it was like a time of retreat. It was really beautiful, just a time to be filled up again with the Lord and to just spend time with the Lord in his word. Remember, the scriptures are the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the primary author of all of Scripture. That's right. So if you want God to speak to you, read his word. He's speaking to you, okay? He also speaks to us through the duties of our state and life and the events of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So um, so I want to look at Psalm 91, and I want to tell you an awesome story about Psalm 91, mm-hmm. okay? Psalm 91, This is now this is Psalm 91 in the newer translations. In the Douay Reams, it's Psalm 90. Yeah. But in the new translation, it's, it's Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Mm-hmm. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your habitation, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he cleaves to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Powerful psalm. It has a promise in it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It says, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your habitation, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he has given his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And then the Lord speaks 
because he cleaves to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, true story. Mm-hmm. During World War I, in the midst of the trench warfare, there was a battalion, I believe, of British soldiers mm-hmm. who were praying this psalm together every day. And one day, one of them stopped and said, men, do you realize that this psalm, this psalm has a promise attached to it? Okay? Mm-hmm. And what was the promise? He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 will fall at your right. And near you it shall not come. And they're like, yeah, we're in the midst of war. Not possible. Ain't going to happen. But they looked at each other and said, let's pledge to pray this psalm every single day faithfully. Mm-hmm. For the Lord has promised that he will protect us and he will keep us safe even in the midst of these trenches in this impossible situation where it sees at least some of us has to die. Well, you know what? That entire battalion of British soldiers, and maybe I'm using the wrong word. It was a, a company, a, a, a company of soldiers. Mm-hmm. That entire company that prayed this psalm together every single day all went back home to England alive. None of them died. Great story. And it's just the power of prayer and the trust in the Lord. And what is this about? Is it just about, oh, well, I called on the Lord and I went on sinning and doing whatever I wanted? No. Remember Joan of Arc when she led the armies of France to drive England out of France in the 1400s? What did she tell the generals? She said, you have to send the women away from the camp. They can't be here. The men can't gamble. They can't curse. They can't use the name of the Lord in vain. They all need to go to confession and they need to go to daily mass. Mm -hmm. That was their marching orders. Give up your sin. Give up your sins and God will defend you and protect you. And we strive daily. And you know what? If we fall, we have a merciful God. Don't don't presume that you can fall into sin. By the way, people have asked about the sin against the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the sins against the Holy Spirit is presumption. That is, oh, I can go commit this sin and don't worry. I'll go to confession later. I'll tell the Lord afterwards, I'm sorry. Honey, you might die before you get a chance. And afterwards, you might think, oh, that was kind of fun. You know, maybe I won't tell the Lord I'm sorry right away. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Watch out. Do not presume on the mercy of the Lord. We make a resolve every day. When we were baptized, we renounced Satan and all his pomps and works and all his empty promises. We renounce sin and refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil. We call on God's name to help us. Mm -hmm. And that's what this psalm does. It is a powerful psalm. Read this psalm often. If you can, read it every day. It is amazing. It is incredible. And does that mean that God is going to spare you every suffering in the world and that you'll never die? (laughs) No. What does it mean? What did, what did Jesus say in, in, to Martha? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The man who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. And the man who lives and believes in me shall not die forever. He's not saying that you won't, you won't ever die your natural death. He's saying you won't die the eternal death. 
the death that leads to damnation. Yeah. The death of sin that separates you from God for all eternity. But the, the, the psalm is powerful, and there's that promise. And why are we promised that? Because the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. It is my God in whom I trust. And because we cleave to him in love, because he calls on me and he cleaves to me in love, do we cleave to the Lord in love or are we just afraid of him? You know, God is our father. Jesus Christ, the second person of the blessed Trinity who became man, took to himself a human nature. He revealed that God is father and he loves us and he desires to have mercy on us. But you know what? He does wait for us to ask. And he also waits for us to give up our sin. We need to renounce sin, renew our baptismal promises, renounce sin, refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil, renounce Satan and all his pomps and works and all his empty promises and profess our belief in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mary, you just mentioned a great story, but there's another story that came to my mind when you were telling that story, and that's about the power of the rosary during World War II with some pilots. Could you, can you still have that on the top of your head? I do. That's such an incredible story. There yeah. was a there was a, a salesman who was delivering something to a convent in the nineteen mm-hmm. fifties. And he told the sister, I just need your signature on the line here. And he pulled a pen out of his pocket and said, here, I even have a pen. Mm-hmm. But there's a rosary attached to the pen. She said, oh, you're Catholic. And he says, no, I'm not Catholic. You got a rosary in your pocket. You're not Catholic? No, I'm not. And I pray it every day. What? Do you want to hear the story? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I want to hear the story. So during World War II, he was with the Royal Canadian Air Force. And he was assigned to, their battalion was given a a commander. And when the commander was assigned to them, he came to the barracks and he told the men, he said, men, I want you to know I won't be sleeping in the officer's quarters. I'm going to be sleeping with you. And in this barracks, I'm going to stay in the barracks with you. I need to be with my men. I need to know my men. I need to work with them. And we need to work together because we're going to have to go fight some battles. So that night when everybody was ready to go to bed, That battalion chief knelt down by the side of his bunk and he prayed the rosary out loud. (laughs) Now, when he got done, he stood up and he turned to the men and he said, men, I really hope you don't mind if I pray every day and I will pray out loud. And any of you who want to join me can, because what's going to happen is in the future, we're going to face some really, really tough situations Mm. and we're going to need all the help we can get. So the next night, A few men joined him, and the next night, a few more. And by the end of training, all these men were praying the rosary with him. (laughs) Well, when they got their assignment, they were assigned to go to England and fly daily sorties over enemy territory every single day. He handed every man in his battalion a rosary. Mm. And he said, I promise you faithfully that if you will pray this rosary while we are at war, God will bring you all home safe. Mm. And then the man went on. He's telling, remember, this is one of the survivors. He's telling sister this story. And he said, you know, we flew daily sorties over enemy territory. They were shooting at us. And after about a year, everybody noticed that, (laughs) you know, that battalion never loses a plane and it's never had a man die. What are they doing? What are they doing? And most of them didn't say anything. And I don't know if the commander passed on the word or who we talked to. But what happened was, is that... um, He said, and this man said, Mm -hmm. you know, when we were in the midst of battle, a voice was heard over the radio, the voice of our commander saying, hail Mary, full of grace. Mm. The Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The commander was leading his men in the rosary as they fought. Wow. Incredible. And, and those men all came back alive. And you'd think that, you know, you'd think that people would flock to them and say, well, I want to join that battalion. And, yeah, sign me up. But, you know, it's interesting because there was a naval, and I don't know the name of the ship, but I remember a priest told us this. It was one of the Sacred Heart Fathers who promotes the, the 40 Hours Devotion. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Sacred Heart Fathers. Anyway, the priests who promote the 40 Hours Devotion, what we used to have, and he told us this story. He said there was an American battleship that went mm-hmm. through the war combat status yep. without losing a single man. And but the ca- the the chaplain on the was Catholic. He was a priest, and he had asked the captain if he could require every sailor on that boat to make a holy hour before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament wow. every single day. Wow! So he if, captain said yes. So he made the announcement to the men, and some of the men went to the captain and said, "Wait a minute, what is this?" <laughs> and the captain said, "No, I think it's a good idea." And you know, I'll tell you on the other side of the break what happened on that battleship. Storytelling, Mary. Storytelling. I love it. You know, the power of God. Are we calling on God to deliver us from the current evil, or are we saying, oh, we're doomed and the world is out to get us? (laughs) Who are we going to call on? Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. (laughs) Bible with farmers on Virgin, most powerful. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And this is, uh, let's see now, this is January 21st. It is. Wow, where did the month go? I've been missing you guys, but <laughs> I, thank you for praying for me, and, and I'm grateful to God that I'm back. Amen. So we're talking, we were talking about Psalm 91 and the promise it contained and the, the, the um, battalion or regiment of soldiers in World War I who were saved by praying that psalm every day. And then in World War II, we had these, um, these people, who, these men from the Royal Canadian Air Force who prayed the rosary every day together, led by their battalion chief. <laughs> and and um, he taught them how to pray. And then he gave them each a rosary. And they, were, they all came home alive. Yeah. And then we, had this, we have this battleship during World War II, American naval battleship. Um, and I'm telling this story from memory, and I may have some of the details wrong. Father never told us the name of the ship. But what happened is the captain had told the, the chaplain, yes, you can do this. You can require every man on this boat to make a holy hour of adoration before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament every single day. So when the men said, well, wait a minute, we don't want to do this, they went to the captain and said, we don't want to do this. And the captain said, no, actually, I want this on my ship. So if you don't want to do that, you can leave. You can ask for a transfer. And some men did. They transferred off. And, you know, it was interesting, though, after a while, word got around that even they went through battle, none of the men on that ship died. And after a while, even though some men didn't want to make that holy hour every day and would transfer off the ship, other men, there was a waiting list to get on that ship. So we have this reality, this strange reality of human weakness where, you know, God shows us a solution. Turn to me in prayer. Ask for protection and I will protect you. And some people are like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to turn to God. Well, make our choice. Do we want to turn to God and ask for protection? Or are we going to turn to the world, the flesh, and the devil and ask for protection? So I just, true stories. These are true stories. These aren't made up. It's not, it's like, these are true. People who ask for God's protection every day. And that doesn't mean that the men who died during the war didn't ask for God's protection. You know, 
people on both sides of the fence died. And, and many men died heroic deaths and, and deaths of martyrs during World War II also. You know, God never allows an evil except that the good that he can bring out of that evil far outweighs it. So God's not outdone in generosity. But remember, let's call on the Lord. We're living in some troubling times. You know, and it's interesting. We've been reading the book of Samuel lately. And I encourage everyone, this is one of the things I did because I was locked down at, at home just because I was sick. I had a fever for over a week. And so um, I wasn't going out. I had a fever. I knew I had a fever. I was like, okay, better stay home. Not COVID, but just a fever. So um, I was reading the parts of the book of Samuel that we weren't getting in the daily readings for the mass. So I'm reading in between, right? So you remember Samuel, you know, Hannah comes and she's distraught because her husband, Elkanah, has another wife. There's, you know, back in those days, men had more than one wife. This was before Jesus came. And so the other wife had children. And so she's always making fun of Hannah. She's always henpecking her because she doesn't have any children. So Hannah prays to the Lord for a child. And the priest Eli thinks that Anna, Hannah is drunk because she's before the Lord and her lips are moving, but there's no sound coming out of her mouth. And he finally he gets fed up with it and he goes over to her and he says, how long are you going to make this drunken show of yourself? And then she, she spills her heart to Eli and she says, no, I, I'm just a very, very sad because I don't have any children. And I'm asking the Lord if he will bless me with a child. And Eli said, may the Lord bless you. Go in peace. And may he grant you your request. Well, he did. And Hannah had promised that if he, she had a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. Well, that son was Samuel. And she did dedicate him to the Lord. She nursed him for three years. And when he was three years old, she brought him to the temple and brought him to the priest Eli and said, this is the son I prayed for. And now he belongs to the Lord because I promised the Lord this. Now that God blessed her with other children after that. And she went to see him every year, her, her husband Elkanah, and she, and she would make his clothes and bring his clothes every year. She'd bring him a new set of clothing. And so Samuel grew up in the temple and he hadn't yet learned there wasn't Eli had two sons okay Hophni and Phinehas and Eli's sons were very wicked they were wicked men they were they were stealing from the sacrifices that were belonged to the Lord so people would come to the temple to offer sacrifice to the Lord they were supposed to boil the meat of the sacrifice and then offer it and the priests got a portion of it well Hophni and Phinehas didn't like boiled meat so they would go to the people who were going to offer sacrifice and they would demand, they, they didn't personally, they send their servants and they told their servants, and you take the meat if they won't give it to you. So they were stealing, but they weren't stealing from the people. They're stealing from the Lord. This belongs to the Lord. Well, we're priests of the Lord. We could do whatever we want. Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. God is God and we are not and he will not be mocked. So, and in addition to that, they were committing adultery with the women who cleaned the temple. The women came into it and they were, these men were very, very wicked men, if not evil. Okay. So they're, so this is what they're doing. And, um, so Samuel is there in the temple and he's learning how to, you know, live in the temple and be a priest in the temple and serve in the temple and serve however to be a judge. He's going to be the judge. He's going to be the next judge of Israel after Eli dies. And, um, the Lord reveals himself to Samuel. One night, remember Samuel sleeping and he, Samuel three times, he hears a voice calling him and three times he goes to Eli. And finally at the third time, Eli's like, wait a minute. And he says, you know what? The next time the voice calls you say, speak, Lord, my servant, your servant, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So it's the Lord and the Lord reveals to Samuel. Well, the next day Eli asks, and this is what we don't get in the reading. 
we don't get what the Lord revealed to Samuel. Well, you see, it's like this. The next day, Eli says, what did the Lord say to you? And Samuel's standing there in front of him. He's probably about nine years old. And it's like, I can't tell him what he said. He said he's going to kill his sons and his sons are going to die and that he's going to die. And the priesthood's taken away from him. And Eli looks at Samuel and he says, Samuel, you will tell me what the Lord said and you will not hide it from me or may the curse, whatever it was the Lord said to you, happen to you. <laughs> that loosened Samuel's tongue. So Samuel tells him the truth. Now, Eli doesn't get angry at Samuel. Eli realizes he had lost control of his sons and he didn't have the power to discipline his sons and convince them how to live a righteous life. Okay? Now, Samuel... 40 years, Samuel judges Israel. And in that 40 years, now what happened was, remember that the prophecy comes true and we read about this where Hophni and Phinehas go and take the, 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 the Philistines are attacking. So the people say, go get the covenant, go get the Ark of the Covenant. And sure, Hophni and Phinehas bring the Ark of the Covenant into the Israelite camp. But wait a minute, have the people repented of their sins? Have they turned to the Lord and said, we're sorry for sinning. You're delivering us into the hands of our enemies because of our sins. No, Hophni and Phinehas, these, these men with all their sins, bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle. Well, guess what? Hophni and Phinehas are slain and the Philistines take the Ark of the Covenant into their country. Again, read the whole book. Go back and read it because there's so much going on that you miss if you just get the daily readings. And if you're not going to daily mass, read the first book of Samuel. Because it's very instructive to us. It's showing us we have to give up our sins and be faithful to the Lord if we want the Lord's protection. Just like these other stories that we talked about in Psalm 91. God has given his angels charge over us to guard us in all our ways. On their hands they will bear us up lest they strike the foot against the stone. If we are faithful to the Lord. If we give up our sins and call on the Lord for protection. Yes. And so what happens? Eventually Samuel gets old. And guess what? Unfortunately, Samuel's sons aren't as righteous as Samuel. They aren't as fearful of the Lord. And they're stealing from the people. And so the people are tired of it. And they're like, no, we want a king. We want to, we want to be like other nations. We want a king. How many times have we gone to the Lord and said, Lord, we just want you to make all the politicians holy. We just want to be like other nations. We want these politicians to rule over us. Really? Even in America, do you realize that was not the vision of the founding fathers of our nation? Thomas Jefferson wrote that this experiment in self-governance can only work among a godly people, a people who turn to the Lord and make the Lord their dwelling place and are answerable to God. And so therefore they govern themselves in righteousness and follow the Ten Commandments. Are we following the Ten Commandments as a people, as a nation? What are we doing? Are we blaspheming God every day in our movies, our entertainments, the songs we listen to, the books we read? You know, I was reading a book today that was supposedly written by a Catholic man, and he's saying that, oh, he's saying some really strange things. Anyway, I was shocked. It was, I don't know, somebody sent it to us. Jump in and say that it seems to me that one of the practices, you say we want to stay away from sin, a really good practice is an examination of conscience right. at the end of the day. Now, it doesn't take more than two or three minutes, really, to go through and examine the day. And I 
say that it's good to count your blessings at the same time. In Amen. other words, the things that went well, praise God. Amen. Because you're affirming God in his goodness when you do that. Amen. And But when you don't uh, do this examination of conscience each night, it's a holy habit, then you really forget. You, what, what happens is the sense of sin really isn't there in your life, and you could be committing lots of sins, but because you don't examine your life, it just kind of goes along, and you just go, well, everybody's doing it. Right. What's wrong with it? It's everybody's doing it. But once you do the examination of conscience and you line up, I, w- I suggest people to go to the Fathers of Mercy, their website. <laughs> Father Bill, no, they have a very good one. We used to print them out and give them out to people they at do. the family conferences. Yes, they do. 20 years ago. And you know what? The examination of conscience hasn't changed. Human nature is the same. But right. the, the point I'm trying to convey is it's harder to stay in the state of grace without living an examined life. Right. The unexamined life is not worth living. So, you know, that it has been said yes. by, by many holy people. And, and Pope Pius XII and then Pope John Paul II reiterated it. Return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin. Yeah, that's for sure. And the sensitivity of the saints. Yeah. We need to acknowledge that we're sinners and we need God's mercy. Amen. If we're not sinners, it's like Bishop Sheen said. He said, Bishop Sheen used to say, you know, nobody believes in the Immaculate Conception anymore because we all think we're immaculately conceived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what's the problem? Yeah. You know, maybe I don't need a savior. Maybe I don't need Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. That is the problem. You nailed it when, when you were quoting the Holy Father, John Paul II and the other fathers. It is, we have to bring back a sense of what sin is in our culture and in our lives because without that, um, really, we're not living a life uh, centered on God without examining our life. More with the Bible with the Barbers when we come back. Stay with us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you to all the radio stations that pick up our signal. Thank you to all of our supporters, those who support us financially. And those who volunteer to help us with different things, you know, the, the upcoming uh, spiritual warfare conference, there's a, a whole, you know, crew of volunteers that help us with that. And thank you so much. And thank you also to um, those who offer their sufferings and their prayers for us. Your offering is very powerful, very powerful. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, just, just, just a little note. Recently, um, um, I know a woman whose son died. Very, He died suddenly. He had gone to work one day, came home, went to sleep, and the next day he was dead. And so um, he was going to be buried. And I had given her a rosary that someone had made. There's a lady here at the chapel that makes rosary. She makes, it's a macrame, not rosary. Beautiful blue cord, um, royal blue, our lady's color. And she put a miraculous medal and a, and a crucifix that has a little St. Benedict medal on it on all these ro- on this rosary she had made. So I had given one of these to my friend. And she said she called me when her son died. And she said, you know, I'd like to get one for every member of my family. I need 50 of them. So this lady who comes to Mass here at Our Lady of Grace, she made 50 rosaries for this family. And I said, well, can I pay for the materials? And she said, no. When I heard the circumstances... This is my gift to them. And this, this woman is a convert to the Catholic faith the, who made the rosaries. And so the family was so moved. And I went to the rosary last night for the son. He, he, he was buried last night. They had to delay the, the burial because he died just before Christmas. 
at the Christmas holiday. And then the whole, um, they did an autopsy because they didn't know why he died. There was like, he wasn't sick. None, as far as they knew, there was nothing wrong. Why would he just die in his sleep? You know, be prepared. We never know the day or the hour, but um, God, God have mercy on his soul, Daniel Montes, and, and um, to his dear, to his dear mama, Teresa, and their, her husband and their children and the rest of the family. And, but this lady, Kathy, she made these rosaries by hand as an act of love. And it meant so much to the family. So just little acts of love. You know, we want to take care of one another and reach out to one another. And so I want to thank all of you who, who, who do these kind of things and who pray for us. And we may never know you here, but please, God, we will all be together in heaven to be able to praise the Lord our God for all eternity. So we're talking about the book of Samuel and what went on in the book of Samuel. And I really encourage you to read it all because there's no way I can read you the whole story. And there's so much that goes on. But it's so instructive. So Samuel, just like Eli, when he was an old man, he couldn't control his sons and they weren't faithful to the Lord. They were, they were at least wicked, if not just downright evil. Well, the same with, with um, Samuel. When, his, when he got old, his sons were stealing from the people. And so the people were tired of it. And they said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. And how many times do we do this? Like right now in our country, it's like, Lord, just give us the right politician and everything will be great. You know, I noticed that before when Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton, there were road, there were prayer rallies across the nation. There were um, not not just Catholics, but Protestants, too, but public, more public um, acknowledgement that we need to pray and beg God to deliver us. And then Donald Trump, you know, this this rosary rally that went on the day of the election and Donald Trump defeated Hillary Clinton. And then, um, you know, we kind of got complacent, I think, in the four years that he was president because he fulfilled all of his promises. He was doing so many things for the pro-life movement for, to save the little babies who are burning, being murdered through induced abortion. And he was just doing tremendous things throughout the country. <laughs> and, you know, people didn't even know the good that he did as president. And, um, you know, he came up against... Joe Biden and everybody thought, oh, this is a this is a no brainer. Biden's not even campaigning. Well, but where was the prayer? And yes, there were people praying and I, I acknowledge that there were lots of people praying. But had we got a little bit complacent in those four years, had we fallen a little bit into the trap, you know, when the whole covid scare hit during that election year, were we turning to the Lord? Or did we let our churches be locked down and shut? Did we allow our priests to say, no, you can't go to confession, you can't go to mass, you can't receive the sacraments? Did we allow our family members who died to be refused the last rites? Were we standing up to be witnesses to the Lord as strongly as we should have been? Or did we all, you know, and I'm not saying totally, and I'm not condemning anyone. We're all in this together. We're all sinners. And we just need to repent of our own sins. And if you want to know the attitude I'm talking about, go to the book of Daniel chapter three and read the first hymn, the hymn of Azariah in the furnace. Lord, you are just in all your judgments against us, but now have mercy on us for the sake of the glory of your name. So Samuel, now getting back to Samuel, he's an old man, the, the Israelites want a king. And God says to Samuel, how long are you going to be downcast, Samuel? It's not you that the people of Israel are rejecting. It's me. I, the Lord, am their king. And they're saying they don't want me anymore. And I'm going to give them that. They can have that. 
And you know what? If they're faithful to me, if they will keep my commandments and worship me in the proper manner and keep their hearts in the right place, I will continue to bless them. But you know, if they don't, <laughs> and, and Samuel warns them, the king's going to take your sons, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to use them you know, to plow his fields and serve in his army and you know, whatever, all the things that, you know, the king has all these servants and, and, and the people are, no, we have to be like other people. We have to be like, are we going to wake up and realize, no, we don't have to be like other people. Even as Catholic Christians living in a republic, yeah, a republic, a representative form of government, we need to turn to the Lord and make the Lord first. What did Thomas Jefferson said? This is an experiment in self-governance. Honey, we can't have freedom if we're not governing ourselves. If we've given into the pleasure culture and says, I just want to live for pleasure. I want to practice my contraceptives in my marriage and I want to be able to have my abortion. I want to be able to just go to work every day, work eight hours a day and then come home and plop myself down in front of a TV or go to uh, some kind of entertainment, you know, go to a dance or a movie or or a ball game. What are we doing? We need to wake up America. We need to wake up all you Catholics, all us Christians, all of us Catholics, all of us Christians in America. Are we being entertained to death and boiled like the frog one degree at a time? Where we've given into the pleasure culture little by little by little and we've become like the people around us, the pagans who don't want God as their king. And that's what happened to Israel once they got a king. They became idolatrous and their kings led them in idolatry and sin they had a couple of good kings you know but Saul offended the Lord and the Lord rejected Saul and then David was king and David offended the Lord but David repented but he was punished for his sin God did punish him but David told I beg God don't punish the people I'm the one who sinned so punish me read Samuel 1 and 2 and then read the book of Kings Read in between the lines. Get the part of the story we didn't get. Because the instruction is, God is our king. We govern ourselves by the Ten Commandments that he gave. And we don't live for pleasure, and we don't live for comfort, and we don't live for ease, and we don't live just to fit in with society and get along. We're Christians. Let us show the face of Christ, the joyful face of Christ to the world. Jesus Christ is really the God-man. He's not just a man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, not created, co-eternal with his Father, co-equal to his Father, really became man. He really took on flesh, and he became man. And in becoming man, He took to himself a human nature. And there's lots of heresies about how did that happen? He was really human. He really had a human body and a human soul, which means he really had a human intellect and a human will that were fully informed by his divine intellect and will. And he totally submitted his human intellect and will to the divine will. And by the way, our Catholic faith is not unreasonable. Yes, there are many things in our faith that go beyond our ability to reason because 
God is God and we are not. And we can't imagine who God is. That God exists is not an article of faith. We can know that by the light of our natural reason. But that God is a trinity of persons? No, we can't know that by the light of our natural reason. But it doesn't defy our reason. When God reveals himself, that's not going against our reason. That's not unreasonable. Our faith goes beyond our reason, but it doesn't deny it. It's a great gift. So are we in our times asking for a political leader to deliver us? Or are we turning to the Lord? And I thank our Protestant brothers who, you know, Franklin Graham and Billy Graham, who went across the country leading prayer rallies of, we repent of our sins. Lord, forgive us. We have given into the pleasure culture. We're just living for a break. We're just living to have it our way. We're not listening to you anymore. Open our ears to hear you. And open our lips to praise you and to give you glory. And I do want to ask of all of our listeners to take a look at a book. This book is on the internet. It's available through Amazon. It's available from the publisher who, um, the publisher is uh, (laughs) Austin Macaulay Publishers. It's also available at Barnes and Nobles. And it's just called Reflections of a Prisoner, a Book of Poems. The author is Sandy Willows. That's a pen name. But this is a young woman who has suffered. And when the publisher published the book, I'm going to tell you a little secret that I know. They say that she's a prisoner of her own mind. No, actually, these poems were written when she was in prison. She was unjustly imprisoned by someone very close to her (laughs) who lied about her. And that lie was sufficient to get her put in jail. And, um, but it's, she has hope in all of her poems because she always sees that God is there and that he can deliver us all from the current troubles. And there's some beautiful Christmas poems in here. I would, I just would encourage you, take a look at it, Reflections of a Prisoner, a book of poems by Sandy Willows. And I'd ask everybody to take, you know, think about it and pray about it and ask the Lord if you feel inspired, you pick it up at Barnes and Nobles. You can pick up copies and give them to friends and family if you like it and, and let other people know about it. But I want to thank you again, our listeners. I want to remind us all, let's go to confession on a regular basis. We need to ask our priests to spend more time here in confessions. We need more confessions. We need to go to mass more often. We need to pray more often together in a community, um, individually in our homes, make our homes little places of prayer. And, and let's not reject the Lord as our king. Jesus Christ is the king. It's his kingdom that we want to come. So let's build the kingdom of the Lord up. Let's follow the example of the saints. And let's be faithful to the Lord unto the end. Thank you to our listeners, to all those who support us. Thank you those who ask questions. And yes, I'm a little behind on the apps, listeners' questions, but I'm trying to get to them. So don't despair. Hopefully I'll get to them. Thank you again. It's so good to be back with you. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Please spread the word. Let people know we are here. We're here for you to try and build you up in your faith.